Who has filled out their spiritual gifts survey? Who had a go at that this week? Number of hands. I would encourage you to do that. If you didn't get one, if you're not sure of what I'm talking about, there's some on the, um, the table just out there and you can take it away. There's a heap of questions. You answer the questions about yourself and it's an indicator as to how God has put you together. Um, if you looked at it, if you took it home and you opened it and went, oh, I have no idea, come chat to me after. I can make it a lot easier and simpler than it may be. It's not meant to be intimidating or difficult or confusing. It's meant to be enlightening and encouraging. So when a person becomes a Christian, like what Joe shared with us before about her friend, God imparts his Holy Spirit to them. In Acts 2, verse 38, when the church was sort of swinging into full gear, Peter says, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit resides in us and empowers us to make a difference in ways that we simply never could without the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And if part of your response to that sentence is to say, that sounds supernatural, that's exactly what it is. It's supernatural. Something beyond natural takes place as God ushers in his gifts through us to bless others and and improve the world. There are lots of spiritual gifts. They're mentioned in the Bible. There's some in lists, there's some in accounts, there's some in stories. And what we are to gain from that is every Christian, every person who has said yes to Jesus, receives the Holy Spirit and with that, a number of gifts that may lay dormant or may be exercised on a daily basis. We want to dig into that. We want to help you realise what God has called you and put you together to do, to see you do some wonderful things and feel like you're right in the midst of where God wants you to be. But it's important to say that God doesn't gift us for fun. It's not like, oh, this will be fun to watch them run around, be able to do some cool things. God gifts us to diminish the devil's dominion. We are gifted so that we can engage in the spiritual war that takes place, which is why we pray, to engage in that way so that the the grasp that the devil has on this world is lessened to the point where when Christ returns it will be no more. So, today we're going to jump into two spiritual gifts and each week we're going to tackle two or three. It's a lot to ask for 25 minutes, but bear with me, we'll see how we go. I invite questions afterwards, so if something doesn't make sense or you want to know more, please come talk. So today we're talking about leadership and apostleship. Leadership as a gift and apostleship. That's right, hey? Apostleship. So, when I was 18, my mum said to me, let's go to this conference where a man called Bill Hybels was teaching. Now, I'd just read a book called Too Busy Not to Pray, and thought that this conference would be about prayer and figured, to be honest, it didn't sound that exciting but it would be cool to go and hang out with Mum. And so we went. 
And it turned out to be a leadership conference. It was a day leadership session, leadership session with Bill Hybels, who at the time was one of the, the leading world voices about what Christian leadership is. And so I sat there and at the end of session one, Bill said something that rattled me to my core. Bill said, after the break, we're going to come back and do a spiritual gift test. Now, I don't know how you went at school. I've got three degrees. I have no idea how I got three degrees because tests at school? No thanks. No way. And so I said to mum, I cannot believe you've brought me somewhere where I'm going to fail the test of the day. She said, the test about leadership. I said, it doesn't matter what the test is about. It's not going to be pretty. And then mum said to me, she said, Ralph, you're a leader. You have a gift of leadership in your life. When she said that to me, I had never thought about it before. It had never crossed my mind before. But the light switched on. And I realised maybe mum was onto something. Now, it turns out I aced the test. And all these years later, I can say I do have the gift of leadership. But here was the nucleus of when it first became apparent to me. God had gifted me that when he saved me some years before but I hadn't realised and fully stretched that out until that day. So a few years ago now, I wrote a book about my leadership journey. It's called The Anonymous Leader because I felt too many leaders are stuck in this place that says, come follow me, when actually we should be saying, come follow Christ. But if as leaders we're supposed to say, come follow Christ, what do we do? What does leadership look like? Because the scriptures, as we're here today, calls us to, to lead. So what does that look like? And so over a number of years, this built up in me and I wrote a book. And so the book's on the back table. If you would like to purchase a copy, if you'd like to have a flick through and read, it's a lot of my story. It's a lot of how I think about and understand leadership. And you'll discover over the coming months that leadership and discipleship are really quite close together. But I put the, it's for 15 bucks, it usually sells for 25, so bargain this morning. Um, and it really just pays for the cost of printing and stuff. But that's all that's left. So once they're gone, I've got no more. It's all online and so forth. So you can still get it, but I don't have any left in my study. So that's what there is um, over three years or so, five years, four years. Oh, I don't know, I forget. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but they're available for you. Have a flip through and see what you think. As we heard Fiona read before, Romans 12.8, if your gift is leadership, let them govern diligently. And that word diligent isn't a word we use frequently. We might understand it, but we don't use it frequently. I find myself frequently in need of that word when my children need to go to school and just before we're about to walk out the door. Lunches are made, uniforms are on, car keys are remembered. Just before we're about to walk out, an emergency happens most days. It consists of, Dad, I need to show you my latest skateboard trick. Dad, help me put my socks on because somehow I've lost the ability to do that. Dad, that insect that we had for show and tell has gone missing in the house. 
And, and there's something about my diligence to want to get them out of the door that is arrested because diligence is often about speed. It's about quickness. It's about efficiency. But that's not all there is to diligence. Diligence isn't just being efficient. It comes from this Greek word, diligence, that's the word spenzo. It sounds good to say it. You should have a go. Ready? On three. Spenzo. On three. One, two, three. Spenzo. You just learnt some ancient Greek. It's going to change your life. Okay, so spenzo means to be really efficient, really quick, but it also means something else at the same time. Spenzo has this idea of investing yourself fully into something. You know, when you go wholeheartedly in, you're like, I'm all in. It might be on an idea or a shopping trip or um, a new adventure, a holiday, I'm all in. That's part of this word, spenzo. And so we have this combination of all in and really efficient connected to leadership. So when we come to understanding it, the gift of leadership is to invest yourself fully and efficiently into others so that by bringing value to them, God is glorified. That's the gift of leadership. For some of you right now, you may well be yawning. Can we preach about something like a little bit more relevant? And to some of you, your heart is alive. That's because there is a gift of leadership there, right? And we're going to experience this in a number of ways in the next eight weeks of some things I talk about. You'll be like, oh, just preach about that all day. And some, you'll wake up afterwards going, oh, what did I miss? So bear with me, hopefully everybody gains something, but that's how spiritual gifts work. Paul, when he wrote to the Church of Rome, he said, if your gift is leadership, lead diligently, lead with efficiency and lead all in for the benefit of others. So let's take a look at how this plays out. We're going to look at the biblical character of Deborah. Show of hands, if you know anything about, you're not going to be asked, anything about the the biblical character of Deborah. Show of hands if you're like, that's not in the Bible. Like, no, you're making it up. (laughs) There's a few of you. All right, let me prove you wrong. So, I love Deborah. She's this unsung hero who we'll hear about. She's featured in the book of Judges. She was one of the judges of Israel. She was one of the leaders of Israel, the nation, as they inhabited their promised land and they're getting set up, they asked for a king and the king turned into to judges. Maybe judges turned into king, but they, they have this way of we need human person that we can follow. So they call these people in and one of the people called was Deborah. So in Judges chapter 4, which is early on in the story of Judges, after Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, the king of Canaan, because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried out to the Lord for help. I don't think they cried out to help because he had all those chariots. I think they cried out to help because they were oppressed, but his number of chariots demonstrates how powerful He was. So things were ugly. Israelites had sinned. 
God had sold them into slavery with the Canaanites and they were in quite a predicament. And in verse 4 we read this, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She was leading Israel at the time. I love this. But this was not a culture where women were valued or uplifted or even given the time of day. It was at a time when women were disrespected, they were oppressed and they were used for males' needs to be met and this woman, gifted with leadership, is leading the entire nation. It's amazing. She held court, so she gathered those to her, under the palm of Deborah, which I suspect was a palm, an oasis that they named after Deborah. And the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, basically her right-hand man, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go and take with you, 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's troops, with the chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give them into your hand. So she is basically, basically saying, Barak, gather the forces, we're going to war, lay in wait and I will set a, a trap for the enemy to walk in and we will regain God's land. God has given us this victory. This woman most definitely has the spiritual gift of leadership. She was placed over leading God's people. She was in tune with God. She was smart and courageous. She was all about God's desires and she was leading diligently. She was efficient and all in for the sake of others. And because of this, God gave her influence. Now watch how her influence gets exercised. Barak says to her, on hearing this war cry, Barak says in verse 8, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. What a wuss. (laughs) Some sort of leader he is. He's supposed to be the, the, um, the, the chief in charge of the army. I'll go to war if you hold my hand, he says to Deborah. Now, here's what's interesting. He has then put himself at the mercy of Deborah's influence. Barak is is no stranger to leadership. He clearly had leadership. Barak was able to lead. Deborah was gifted to lead. Barak was able to lead, but Deborah was gifted to lead. A person with a spiritual gift of leadership knows that they just cannot wimp out. They can't go, I'm running away and I'm staying away. There's something within that regardless of how bad it is, they're always called back into the fight. They're always called back into what God is doing. They're always called back into redemption and redeeming circumstances. The gift gives us a burden for the sake of others, not just ourselves. So Deborah says, she responds to Barak saying, can you go with me? She says, very well, verse 9, I will go with you, but because of the way you're going about this, the honour will not be yours. 
for the Lord will hand Sarah over to a woman. Now, biblically speaking, honour is attached to leadership. And in this story, Barak forfeits the honour that would be due him leading the troops. He forfeits it because he's first forfeited his leadership. While Deborah moves in the opposite direction. She moves toward the problem. She moves into the leadership space to exercise her gift of leadership and to claim the honour due the leader. And now this part's really cool and this is what my book is about. The way the spiritual gift of leadership works out in Deborah's life is she chooses not to receive the honour. She gives it to God. She glorifies God and honours God by the things that have unfolded when she could quite rightly go, yep, that was me. I did a great job of leading. But instead of that, she directs people's attention and affection and praise to God. The one with the gift of leadership is more intent on God being honoured than themselves. Leaders who are not leaning into their gifting, they enjoy the honour due to a leader. But gifted leaders, they use the honour they receive to uplift God, to celebrate God, to call others to God. That's what the gift of leadership looks like. So, building on the gift of leadership, I want to talk about the gift of apostleship. Apostleship is a gift that sits right next door to leadership and is kind of bridged by, it bridges leadership and evangelism. So an apostle, or the gift of apostleship is the space between leadership and evangelism. Has anyone, you don't have to put up your hand, but you may choose, has that, has that come up as a high rank on anyone's gift survey yet? It's actually a really rare gift in the church in this day and age. In my, my experience, you don't see it very often. The questions in the survey, they, they hover around starting up new churches, stepping into different cultures, taking on something and building something of God's kingdom where there is no natural reach of the church or the presence of God. Now, when you hear about apostleship and you think about people in the Bible... Who springs to mind immediately? The Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul, of course. He was the prototype for this gift of apostleship. He was someone who felt, and this is, if you don't have the gift of apostleship, you'll think this is so strange. He felt more, more at home when he was away from home with God than when he was at home. And some of us go, that's weird, I just want to be at home and comfortable. An apostle says, oh, I really want to be out there and if God is with me, that's what home feels like regardless of where I am. I have a friend that has this gift. He currently lives in Cambodia, in a place called Poipet. Poipet was called by the Lonely Planet Guide, the armpit of Cambodia. When we, we've, I've been there a number of times. When we turned up there, People looked at us like we were literally from another planet because there is absolutely nothing touristy to do in Poipet. If you go there, it's suspicious that you're there if you're white. And so our team turns up, people start looking at us, what are you, you're on the way to somewhere, you don't stay in Poipet. No one stays in Poipet. Poipet is the poorest city 
in Cambodia and likely the poorest city in Asia. But Polito, my friend, he moved there 15 years ago and he felt the call of God to stay. He'd been there a number of times to visit and he touched, you have to enter through Thailand, so you go from Bangkok down to the border and Poipet's on the border. And my friend Polito says, I remember walking across the bridge and there's a halfway point on the bridge as the river runs under it where you go from Thailand into Cambodia. He says, I was stepping over there and I felt God say, this time you have to stay. And so he did with his wife and his two little girls 15 years ago. Polito is from the Philippines. He speaks Filipino. He speaks a little bit of English. Now, he speaks a lot of English and he's fluent in Khmer, which is the Cambodian language. So to do this, he had to learn two extra languages. And as he tells it, well, God said, I must stay. So I stayed. Matter of fact, it's just the way it went. That's what this gift of apostleship kind of resonates in. So he starts there, he plants a church and now, 15 years later, there are churches planted all across the countryside in these little villages that are attached to Poipet that Polito and his team now pastor, they now lead. He did it with no support, no money, no team and no friends, just the presence of God. He did it with no property, no resources and no tools. And he did it in the poorest city in Cambodia, if not Asia. Now, one of the times we were over there, we got talking with him and I asked, well, how do you do holidays? He looked at me like that was a weird concept to ever consider. He said, well, I don't go on holiday. I said, why not? He says, there's too much to do. Besides, we can't afford it. Every, Every dollar that comes in, Every, every um, rupee, I think it is, that comes in, we, we pour in to the ministry of this place. And so we, as the mission group, we wanted to shout him and his family to a holiday and we did that. And he was just so overcome with gratitude for 15 years, without thought, without resentment, without burnout, he poured himself into God's work in this forgotten city. As you walk around with Polito, Till you drive out to these little villages or you walk around to um, uh, Poipet, every transaction he has, everyone is fused with the gospel. God loves you, you don't deserve it, he died for you, he wants you to know the love of God. That's his message, it just oozes out of every pore of him. But in such a beautiful, subtle way that it's never affronting, it's more inviting and welcoming. His heart is full of passion that people would know Jesus but his mind is full of strategy of how the whole nation of Cambodia can come to know Christ. That's the apostleship gift. Polito is literally a modern day Paul. And if I told him that or if he listens to this sermon he would be horrified to be honoured so highly. He'd be disgusted actually so don't tell him. If you want a snapshot of what it looks like in the Apostle Paul's life, Acts 14 offers us just a couple of verses that grab hold of this. They preached the gospel in that city. They won large numbers of disciples. 
Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas then appointed elders for them in each church. With prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Paul went into uncharted territories to radically love the people there, to explain to them that Jesus loved them and gather them together to become a church who he then commissioned elders to look after that church and he went to the next city and he did it all over again. The books in the New Testament, most of them from Acts onwards, are Paul's letters from Corinthians to Romans onwards, sorry, are Paul's letters to these churches to say, be encouraged, don't lose heart, stay the journey. But here's what's interesting. No one told Paul to plant a church. People, the, the, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, when he appeared to Paul, told him to preach, told him to share the good news. No one told him to plant a church. At the time, he wouldn't have even known what a church was. And yet when he gathered people who believed together, this beautiful oasis of people who lived so radically different to everybody else formed that people were invited into. But the gifts that caused that to happen are these gifts of apostleship, of leadership, of evangelism. When we plant another church, when we as a combined entity we plant another church, in that mix will be someone with the gift of apostleship. We need them, the church has called them into the life of the church to plant churches because healthy growing churches plant and reproduce healthy growing churches. That's why God gives us with these gifts to say I want my church to be healthy, I want it to be strong, I want it to be efficient, I want it to be sold out for a greater cause that is the kingdom of God. And so what I'd like to do now is something that may be different for you. I don't think I've really ever done what I'm about to do now. I'm sorry, your anxiety levels have just risen. It's okay. No need to be anxious. I forget. I do this all the time. Oh, we should do this. And people go, ah. It's, no, no, no. I, I pitched I pitch too high. So, if you have the gift of leadership, if you are sitting there and it is a gift that you want to grow in and exercise some more, or if you're feeling that God is calling you into leadership but you've backed down or you've stepped away or you're not sure what that looks like, I want us to commission you into that gift. That gift isn't just a gift that we exercise in a certain office of the church. God enriches our body with leaders to lead in all facets of life but to lead on behalf of him. So, if you are gifted if you have a hunch you're gifted, if you'd like to step into this gift of leadership, if you find yourself in leadership positions where you feel completely out of your depth, I would like you to walk up the front now and I'm going to pray for each of you and then as a congregation we're going to pray for you to commission you for the work that God is calling you to. So, if that's you, don't be shy. I'm already standing at the front so you're not going to be alone. There's at least our church council that we start with, but this isn't confined to just that. If you want to be commissioned in your gift as a leader, 
I would like you to jump out of your seat if you're able. If you're not, you can wave your hand. I realise some of us' mobility is a little bit different. You can wave your hand and I will get to you in just a moment. But otherwise, come on up.